Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Okay, if you don't know me, my name is Shannon. I am Pastor Sherry's daughter, John and Josh's sister. I know. And my mom told me I needed to tell a joke. So this is her fault. <laughs> um, I, I definitely have a similar sense of humor to my dad, which was more like a junior high boy. So we're gonna go for it. <laughs> a little girl goes to hospital room to visit her grandpa with her mom. And when they get to the hospital, she runs ahead of her mom and bursts into her grandpa's room and said, Grandpa, Grandpa, as soon as my mom comes into the room, talk like a frog. And he said, well, okay, dear, but why? And she said, talk like a frog because mommy said that as soon as you croak, we're all going to Disney World. <laughs> I know, it's pretty bad. That's <laughs> why so you gotta be careful what you say around kids. Okay, I have another one, not as bad, but still with moms. One early morning, a lady went in to wake up her son Wake up, son, it's time to go to school. And the son said, but why, mom, I don't wanna go? And the mom said, well, give me reasons to you, give me two good reasons that you don't wanna go. And the son said, well, the kids hate me for one, and the teachers hate me too. <laughs> and the mom said, well, that's not, that's not a good reason not to go to school. Come on now and get ready. And so the son said, well, you give me two reasons I need to go to school. And the mom said, well, for one, you're 52, and for two, you're the principal. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, too. Oh, all right, you're welcome, Mom. <laughs> She's not, yeah, don't ask me to give you a joke. I'm just kidding. I am a mom. My son is Drayson. You might have heard of him. Yep, he is five years old. He just turned five years old a few weeks ago. He loves Chick-fil-A. He's been fighting leukemia for two years and he's a little superhero. And he's also become pretty funny and sassy. So recently we were driving back from Chick-fil-A and he was just, he was just giving me the sass, you know what I mean? So I did what a good mom does and I threatened him. And I said, if you don't stop it, I'm gonna throw away your Chick-fil-A and you can just eat a peanut butter sandwich. And immediately he put his hands up like this and he said, in Jesus' name, please help mommy to have a good idea. <laughs> in Jesus' name, please help mommy not have a bad idea. And I'd never heard him say something like that, especially not in that way so quickly, but it worked, he got his Chick-fil-A. Uh, but Drayson's an incredible kid and he's taught me a lot about walking with the Lord. Like our little presents say, blessed is the woman who walks with God. And I think that walking with God is a journey. It's an everyday thing that's never done. Oftentimes in our walk, we can feel overwhelmed. Maybe we pick up some things that weigh us down along the way. And for me, being a mom has been pretty overwhelming. I'm sure you guys, you ladies, aren't like that. You sing your hymns in the morning and blessed are your children, but I'm kind of like the hot mess express that just like yells along the way and uh, just praying my son doesn't start cussing anytime soon. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding, but you know, it happens. <laughs> 
But today, Pastor Sherry and I want to give you some practical tools that will encourage you to go from being overwhelmed to living a life that is overflowing with the goodness of mercy of God. And the first thing that I've learned about being overwhelmed, number one, is being overwhelmed is a distraction that will keep you away from God. So life can be overwhelming. I totally understand that 100%. And to be honest, if I allow myself to focus on my circumstances, I can easily go into a place of not trusting God and trying to take control. But I can have a feeling and not set up camp there. You know what I mean? I can have a thought or a feeling, but I don't have to live in that. In fact, I never really felt ready to be a mom. <laughs> I, t I got pregnant really quickly after I got married, and I called my mom, or I, she came over, and I told her, and I started crying, and I said, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me, <laughs> you know? And that's kind of a silly thing to say, but even that thought, that overwhelming feeling and that fear of being a mom, you know, especially, you know, wanting to be a good mom, I had to give that to God. And in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, the Bible instructs us to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when our thoughts go unexamined, they can do a lot of harm. They can get out of control and cause negative cycles that can lead to negative feelings and actions. You know, I could have easily dwelt in the fact of being unprepared or dwell in my circumstance that are difficult, but that's really not gonna help anything. In fact, the Bible also says in 1 Peter 5, 8, I'm sorry, 5, 6, and 7, it says, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then one of my favorite verses says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that's so true. God not only doesn't want us to be overwhelmed, he wants us to give all of our worries in his hands. So yes, God sees you in, his in your struggle, but he doesn't just see you, he is with you and he is fighting for you and he will continue to be with you. So we might become distracted with the struggles of our life. We might feel like we can't see God or hear God because of all the things that have gotten in the way, but he is faithful to us and he will fight for us and he'll be there with us. So I encourage you, just give it to God. The Bible is full of stories who felt like, of people who felt like they couldn't go on. In fact, in Isaiah 38, 14, Isaiah said, Lord, I am overwhelmed, please help me. I mean, I feel like that, I'm sure some of you feel like that too. But God is faithful, God did help him. That's a, the great thing about the Bible, it's full of stories of real people who've gone through serious struggles and that's what we are as a church too. We're just real people coming together to help each other along and to trust in God, of course. So my second point is to allow the Lord to give you strength. I like the idea of new mercies every new morning. So what I try and do and what I encourage people to do too is like just do the best you can today. Do the best you can today and then when you go to bed, pray for the <laughs> pray for the rest, pray for the parts where you've fallen short, but then you can wake up the next day and try again. Every day is a new day. Even sometimes we need to start fresh 
a new minute, a new hour, but God is right there with us and he continually gives us new mercies that are fresh for every day. God not only wants us to bring our worries to him, but he wants us to rest in, our pre rest in his presence. Psalm 91.4 says that he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find rest, refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Now I've heard that word rampart, but I had to look it up. I'm gonna be honest. So I know, I'm sure you all know what it means, but I looked it up just for myself. <laughs> it means rampart is a defensive wall of a city or like the whole wall of a city or a castle. So God is literally saying he'll be your peace and your protection. To me, faith or worship is praising God in the storm, trusting him in the valley, and following him and walking with him through the darkness. Even when everything feels lost, hope is on the way because God is with you. So the last thing I wanna share with you before Pastor Sherry comes up is that Number three, allow others to help you and allow yourself to be a help to others. And Pastor Sherry is gonna talk practically about being a help to others and how to do that. But one thing that's hard for me is asking for help. I like to help people. I don't really like to take help. Um, sometimes I feel like I can get in a pit. You know, I don't know if you guys have been there, but you can be in a pit of despair or loneliness or just hurt, whatever it might be, you feel like you're stuck and you can't quite claw your way out of there. And I want you to know that God has equipped people around you to help you. You know, you, you fear, I think for me anyways, my fear would be that if I'm in my pit, if I ask somebody to help me, I'm gonna pull them into the pit with me. But that's not really true. God has equipped people with a ladder, with a rope, whatever it needs to get you out of there. So you, you need to surrender that and be obedient to God to let other people help you too. In fact, scripture in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, you are better off having a friend than to be alone. If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you are really in trouble. And that's what the church is here. The church is a community. You know, some, I'm very lucky, I have a great family, but some of you don't have a great family and some of you need friends that are family and some of you have friends that have hurt you too and you just need a community to support you. That's what the church can be, that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to help one another and be there for each other. So you might not always be able to change your circumstances Maybe you'll have that feeling of overwhelmed quite often and just need to continually submit it to God. There are things that I can't change about my circumstances. I can't change the fact that my son was diagnosed with autism and then three months later diagnosed with leukemia. I can't not be his mom. I am his mom, but I can trust God to be there for me and to equip me and to bring people around me to support me through the journey. So I know that we can do it. You can do it and I can do it. And Pastor Sherry is gonna bring some awesome word to help you too.
Don't, don't you just want her to stay up here and finish? I think she should just do the whole thing, but she said no. Um, I just want to, I want a side note on what Shannon said that, and I feel like the Lord gave me this word last service, but it is so important for you to connect, for you to plug in, to be in a connect group, you know, to be in a women's Bible study, because I'm telling you, the enemy wants you to isolate when you're having a hard time. He wants to dissuade. That's definitely a God word, not my word. You know, he wants to disappoint you, have you be discouraged. And even those of you online, we will connect with you. But you need to know you've got to have that connection because when the difficult times come, when the crisis comes, you need other people. You need them to pray for you. You need them to support you. I don't know what I would do without my church family. There's not a more loving church anywhere. I mean, you're my family. I love you. You're, we're committed to one another. And um, the text... The emails, everything, you know, and Bob passed away. It sustained me. It's helped me, the prayers. And we all need to do that. We need to support one another. My dad used to barbecue with briquettes, and, you know, you'd put them together, and they'd get really hot. But if you took one and put it aside, it would go out quickly. And we need to just fellowship with one another. So I speak that over you, okay? Yeah, go ahead. I think we should give the Lord a hand on that. So don't isolate, please. You know, I just, I'm just telling you, don't isolate. It just won't help you. I wanted, Shannon did such a beautiful, eloquent word. And again, next time she needs to take the whole service. But I wanted to just curtail off of that and talk a little bit to you about relationships. Now, I know most of you have perfect relationships, so you can just kind of stretch your imagination this afternoon. But I wanted to talk to you about how in our relationships we can either be overflowing or we'll be overwhelmed. You know, the enemy wants our relationships to not be successful. And I want to talk to you about mercy. And when I use the word mercy, I'm talking about love, understanding, forgiveness, kindness, and grace. I don't know why it is that in the people we love the most and even in our home, we're the hardest on them. Now, you know, some of you, you might have yelled at your kids this morning. Don't do that. Stop it. Cell phone rings. Hello? I'm good. How are you doing? Why, why is it that sometimes we're not gracious at home? It says in Psalms, and you're laughing. I know you can maybe relate a little bit. And Psalms 101 too, it says, I am trying my best to walk in the way of integrity, especially in my own home, but I need your help. I'm wondering, Lord, when will you appear? That's out of the Passion Bible. And then even in the Living Bible, it says, Lord, I want to live a blameless life, but now I need your help, Lord, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. We choose to walk with mercy. We make that choice. And I'm going to talk to you about four practical ways that your home will overflow with mercy. Number one, overlook irritations and offenses. Let them go. Ignore, release them. I don't know what it is in our nature that we can focus on the positive, I mean on the negative and not on the positive. I don't know why it is that when I sit with people, especially when we're doing counseling, and I ask them, tell me three things good about your mate, your kids, whatever, they have to really think. But if I say, tell me what's bugging you about your mate, your kids, somebody in their family, they can immediately tell me. 
We want to focus on the positive things. We want to be grateful for the people in our life. It's been proven over and over that the more we're positive and grateful, the healthier we're going to be. But when we get negative and grumble and complain and have judgment and nag, it makes us sick. It's not good for us at all. You will be so much happier and enjoy your relationship so much more if you can develop the habit of being grateful. And when you are grateful, you release the irritations and the offenses. It says in Philippians 1.3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Do you automatically give thanks to God for the people that irritate you a little bit? You know, it's really interesting that Paul said that because he was in the um, city of Philippi and it did not go well. It was one of the hardest ministry things he did. He didn't have a good time there. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was falsely accused. He was humiliated. They threw him into prison. There was an earthquake and he got out and then they made him leave town. But after he did that, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks. He chose, even though there was bad stuff that happened, he chose to give thanks for the people that were not nice to him. He chose the high road. I would just encourage you, remember the best and forget the rest. My dad had a brother and a sister, and he was really close to his brother, 15-year difference. My uncle was an alcoholic, and he, my dad is from, was born and raised in Montana. My uncle was in Montana, a recovered alcoholic, and my dad used to go shooting with him, and he'd go fishing with him and spend all this time with him outdoors. Well, over the years, something happened. My uncle did something. My dad was not happy. You know, he lied or did something. And then my dad started to distance from him and then got to where he went talk to him. He went be around him. Several years went by. My uncle committed suicide, passed away. About a year later, when I was going to Montana with my dad, he was stuck in the car, had nowhere to go. And I said to him, Dad, tell me, what did Terry ever do to you? What happened? My dad was driving, and he turned and looked at me, and I could see a tear dripping down his cheek. And my dad said, Pumpkin, I don't remember. I looked at my dad. I didn't know what to say. And my dad waited a minute and finally said, It's one of the biggest regrets of my life. He offended me. I was irritated. I got angry. I got bitter. I never reconciled with him. And now it's too late. Don't let the enemy come in and rob and steal because you're irritated and you can't let it go. It's not wrong to be angry. It's what we do with our anger. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Look for the best in others. Let go of any irritations. If I asked you today, what are the three top emotional needs of the people that are in your house? Could you tell me that? Do you know them well enough to know where they're at and what they need? Are you so busy thinking about how they've let you down, what they've done, criticizing them, being negative, grumbling, judgment, that you can't do that? I'm speaking over you. Try to stop being right and do what's right. Let it go. Number two, be kind even when they don't deserve it. Boy, that's a tough one. You know, people offend us and we don't want to be around them. I think everybody has somebody in their life, family, you know, relatives, somebody they work with that is a VDP. A VDP is a very draining person. 
please don't poke the person that you're here with, you know, today. Please don't poke them or look at them right now. They're hard to work with. They're never happy. They're immature. They're irresponsible. They're pushy. They can be self-centered. They can be manipulative. They can be just stop poking the person next to you. I'm just telling you, you got to go home with them. They can be disloyal. They're just difficult people. They are not very nice. They are like a skunk that sprays that you just get that scent and don't really want to be around them. We need to be supportive of people whether they deserve it or not. I last week, <laughs> and I looked, he's not here. John last week talked about the Holy Spirit and he told, it, told the church, he told you that our stance is that women will pray, women will talk, women will do things in the church. And so when I was walking in between services, a man I did not know well, and um, anyway, I won't make that comment. And so he walked up to me and he said, oh, you're a woman. And I thought, well, I'm so glad you noticed, but I've learned to not be cheeky, so I didn't say anything. And then he proceeded to say women shouldn't be on the platform, women shouldn't do, and he proceeded to kind of let me have it. And, and the more he talked, the more he got mean and vengeful, and it was like a toxic poison. And then he said, well, I've noticed since Bob died that you are not taking care of yourself and you're getting chubby. Hey, guys, don't ever, ever say that to a woman, or you will be on a deserted island alone, or we'll visit you when they go to jail for hurting you. So I didn't say anything because I've learned that when somebody says something, you want to react. And I mean, you don't want to react, you want to respond. And I didn't really have words. I was stunned. I felt like somebody threw cold water on me. And so I walked away. But there was also a part of me I wanted to rip off his arm and beat him with it. <laughs> Sorry. So I walked away, took a time out, and I was offended. Chubby is not a good word. And honest, you guys, I've lost weight. I'm not chubby right now. And it just, it just was, it would, he was very mean. So I took a time out, and then I walked back in about five minutes later. And when I walked in, I thought, I'm going to go tell Bob, oh, I can't tell Bob, he's not here. And then I got really emotional, because Bob would defend me. So two days later when I was walking, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to pray for him. And I said, yeah, I don't want to do that, okay? Like, he can just go, I'll pray, literally, this was my response. I will pray that he goes to the friend's church around the corner, because he needs to go. I mean, I had such a bad attitude, so I did not pray. The next day, the Holy Spirit said, Sherry, you really need to pray for him, and you need to pray for your attitude. But I don't want to. Did I not tell you? Okay, okay, okay. So I started to pray for him. A couple of days later, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. When people are hurt, they will hurt you. And then the Holy Spirit, when I started to pray for him for a couple more days, the Holy Spirit said, Sherry, there is no better place for him to be. You are in the most loving, healing church there is. People just love and heal and it pours out. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. There's no place. He needs to be here. He needs to experience who the Lord is. He needs to know who I am. He, he needs to get over it. He does need to be here. Be kind. Okay? Be kind. When people are not nice to you, they need you to be kind to them. It's not easy. You know, it's not, it's not convenient, but be kind. Number three. 
Uh, yeah, number three, sorry. Oh, let me share a couple of scriptures. When you're, when you're able, do good to people who need help, Proverbs 127. And then I love this verse. I just found it this week in the Living Bible. Proverbs 19.22 says, kindness makes a man attractive. Ladies, we don't need Botox or anything because we're just going to be so kind we're going to get better looking every day, right? I'm claiming that. That's what it says. It says, you know, that, that we'll do better with being kind. Be kind, my precious friends. No matter what anybody does to you, be kind, be kind, be kind. And then know if they're being really mean, they need, they need you to really just reach out to them. Number three, let go of hurts. You know, scripture says that we don't keep a record of wrongs. Let it go. Don't rehearse it in your mind. Don't go over it again and again. It says in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, stop being mean, don't be bad-tempered, don't be angry. Quarreling harsh words and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Be, you know, let it go. Bob's grandma had Alzheimer's. I went to a family thing that they did there. She had a friend, Bill. Bill was sitting by her. He's sitting by her. They're doing an activity. We're in a circle, and all of a sudden, she looks at him and says, Bill, I am so mad at you. You go sit over there. You cannot sit by me. So Bill didn't say a word. He got up, and he walked over to the other side. Bill's sitting on the other side. About five minutes later, Grammy goes, Bill, what are you doing over there? Get over here. Come sit by me. Bill gets back up. He goes and sits by Grammy, doesn't say a word. This went on at least four times. Bill went from one side to the other side. I'm mad at you. Get over there. Come over here. I finally looked at her and said, Grammy, I sense that you're really unhappy with Bill. Can I ask you why you're mad at him? She looked at me and said, I don't know. I just know I'm mad at him. Okay, now, she was in memory care, that's funny. We're not in memory care. We need to let it go. Let it go. Number four, pray for God to work in the lives of others. When we feel overwhelmed in a relationship, we want to have control, and we tend to take it into our own hands. And when you pray, you are saying, God, here, I'm giving this relationship to you. I'm giving this person to you. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying that I will see this person through your eyes, your heart, through uh, that I'll have your hands and be compassionate like you. We need to pray. It says in uh, Philippians 1.4, I always pray for you. I make requests with a heart full of joy. We want to see people through the Lord's eyes. How much do you pray for the people that irritate you? How much do you pray for your family? We always want to change other people. And the bottom line is I can only change myself. I can't change anyone else. But I can change myself, pray for other people, and then the Lord will change my heart towards them, and he'll change the relationship with them. Pray. Some of you are going, well, I don't know how I, how I, I, how I pray. I don't know how, what I should say. Well, let me tell you. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 says, I pray your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Pray. Pray that you will grow in an overflowing love for that person Pray that you will make wise choices and that you'll see them with knowledge and understanding, which means you see them through the Heavenly Father's eyes. 
pray that you'll have integrity, that you'll be pure and blameless before them, not selfish, self-centered, and also finally pray that, that you'll be like Jesus around them, that you'll have his righteous character. You can pray these things for yourself, and you can pray this for your family and people around you. We need to expect the best from the people in our life. We normally don't expect the best from people in our lives. Listen, if one of my kids was running a race and I was sitting in the stands watching them run a race and all of a sudden my son fell down on his face, I wouldn't be a bad parent and say, I am so embarrassed. Wow, that is humiliating and walk away. When my poor son, you know, took a dive and he's embarrassed, I would say, come on, get up. You can do it. You've got this. You don't have much further to go. Come on. Come on, and I'd cheer them on. How much more would your heavenly Father cheer you? Because that's what God does when you stumble. But you see, God wants us to treat people in our life the way he treats us. We need to be encouragers to them. Come on, you weren't very nice to me. Don't go to that church around the corner. Come here and experience God's love because you're gonna change and we're gonna have revival. Let's be encouragers to the people around us. That's what the Lord wants us to do. If you want to be happy in your relationships, if you want them to be happier, then you need to celebrate with people and pray for them instead of judging them. Be supportive and be encouraging. It says in Proverbs 15, 4, kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. You have the capacity with your words and your actions to either bring life or death to the people around you. What if I gave you all money for every kind word you said? If I gave you money for every kind word you said in a year from now, would you be rich? Or would you have a jar that only had a couple of dollars? Can we be rich and be encouragers that really speak and minister to the people around us? And I'm telling you, First Thessalonians, not to mess up the media team, it says 515, be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. If we memorize that verse and live by that verse, we would change our families. We would change our lives. We would change our neighborhoods and we would literally impact and touch the people around us. So I speak over all of you today that you'll overlook irritations and offenses, that you'll focus on the positive in people and not look at the negative. I speak over all of you that you'll be grateful for those in your life and that you'll be kind even when they don't deserve it, that you will just let it go, look to the Lord and through him that you'll be kind no matter what they do. I speak that you will let go of past hurts and with that, that you'll not just forgive, but you'll forget. Wipe that slate clean. The Heavenly Father doesn't keep score. And I pray that you won't rehearse things that have hurt you or nurse it, that you'll release it. And finally, that you'll pray for God to work in the lives of those around you. That you'll pray that the Lord will come in and that you'll see them through his eyes and that you'll pray and that the Lord will come in and where there feels like there's no hope, he'll bring resurrection, life and light and a shift in that relationship. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your power and the word that went forth today. And I pray that our hearts and minds would line up with your promises. I thank you that you're going to teach us how to handle our relationships so that we can be overcomers, God. And I ask that you'll give us the power to be grateful for people in our lives that will forgive and forget the rest. 
I pray that we'll love and bring life and encouragement to those around us, God, that will overflow with kind deeds, and that will be courteous, God, and gentle. And the difficult relationships in our life, I pray that we're going to see those people through your heart and your eyes. I pray that we'll live our lives with your integrity and that we'll walk in your righteousness, God, and we'll have the habit of... De we'll develop the habit of expecting the best in others, and we won't complain, God. May we have a bold, immovable, unshakable faith in who you are, God. May we truly love others with our whole heart. May we be willing to lay ourselves aside and focus on who you are and what your word says, because, God, we're going to be overcomers, and we're going to be we're not going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be overflowing and spilling to those around us. And all of my beautiful friends said, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.